Gator, I think is what they call it. However, okay. a study just came out the other day. It suggests that these these neck fleeces, as they called them, are one of the least effective forms of, of masks. Okay, great. Very yeah. good to know. I know, dude. I know. Thanks. Dude, I, I, I literally bought them last week, so I need to find some new ones. We have a case of masks over there that you could just take one. <laughs> we, we, we offered them their, these disposable masks. They're for everybody. We got hand sanitizer on deck. My man wants to wear a a gator snood that has no preventative measures into the office is unbelievable and (laughs) i'm not here for that Sizzle Reel Podcast coming at you. I'm Alexi. I'm Chris. And we are back. We're still trying to do this thing. It's the fourth episode, I think. We you know we talked about a bunch of shit that doesn't really relate to editing. And now we got some uh some uh alcohol in us again, and we're out here talking about more video editing. For now, uh, we're we're gonna venture into other places, hopefully. Yeah, we're gonna venture into, you know, maybe the world of uh soft drinks. We might venture into the world of food. We might even venture into politics and making crazy statements about what's going to happen in the future and where this country's headed. But hopefully not, because I don't know shit about politics. I don't even want to start there, honestly. Let, the, the whole political landscape is terrifying. No, but real talk. Let's talk about, we wanted to talk about breaking in. It's a tough industry to get into. You know, it's especially, I think this episode is especially going to be useful for anyone who is you know, maybe just getting out of college or, or maybe wants to change their career, going a different path. And you know, is looking into production as uh, post-production specifically as somewhere where they want to end up. Um, how, how did you break in, Chris? What did you, what was the first thing you ever did? Because I, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but I know I never considered the world of video editing or anything in post as, as a job, even never thought about it. Well, my first post job was an internship with an ad agency unpaid of course uh maybe a year year before that i had had a role of producer in a student film that we both worked on but i i didn't really have much to do with post in that i was more setting up interviews and meetings and making Uh, sure everyone had what they needed just communicating you're talking about uh the the documentary thing yes what was that called again uh Quesera del Caribe. But what was the name of the program? Actuality Media. Actuality, that's what it was, yeah. Was That was that was in Costa Rica. It was like a, I don't know, how would you describe the program? It was like a study abroad for video, kind of. Basically, I think that you're able to pay X amount to, to be part of the program. You and I were lucky enough to get scholarships to go. We just had to pay our way there. We needed the air travel. I think you came across it from a Reddit post. I came across it from a Reddit post back in the day when I used to like trawl around Reddit and just fucking see what was up. But I, uh, I think we are the only two people to ever have gotten those, uh, what scholarships technically. Cause I think they stopped offering them after that. I think they were like, uh, yeah, that's not a sustainable, you know, model or whatever. I can't speak for them. So, uh, you know, Robin or, or Aubrey, if you guys hear this and I'm not trying to talk out of line, but that's just how it is. I, I feel like maybe not a sustainable business model to tell people you can stay in Costa Rica for free for a month. 
Well, I think that their goal was ultimately to to educate and just be able to stay, you know, slightly slightly in the black and not not go poor. That's uh, true. But they I they were like, doing some fucking good. I'll tell you that they they like to dedicate your career to be doing like uh you know very sort of uh i don't want to say eco-friendly is not the right word but to to do things that are helping out communities and stuff like that like to be making documentaries that do good for the world that's clutch and to be while you're doing it to be introducing like a whole group of students to a potential future that's also very cool and i'm just out here doing dumbass branded content which you know i love i love doing it but um it's super progressive of them and th this was in 2012 they and I'm sure they had been around for a while before that. But basically what they what they did was every summer they would go to maybe three or four different locations all across the planet. And they'd bring a group of eight students. They'd separate them into two different groups of four. There'd be a director, a producer, an editor, and a cinematographer. Mm -hmm. Yep. You were a cinematographer. I, yeah, and at that point I had already been working for, I think I'd been working for almost a year. I was living in California and I came across this. And when we got, I was working as an editor, but then when we got there and we got to pick roles, I was like, yo, I'm a big cinematographer because then I just get to go out and shoot and then I don't have to, like, I'm in Costa Rica. I don't want to sit in, in, a hot, in a room of a hostel editing at a laptop. Like, I want to shoot this stuff and then go to the beach. And that's kind of what I did. Yep. Poor Tina. I can't, can't believe that. So, and we're students at this point. Alexia had been working, but for the most part, we were, we were learning on the go how to do things. Uh, and, you know, they were teaching us and helping us how to do it. So our editor had literally zero experience in video. Yeah, but to be fair, she did a, a bang up job for like, that was the, for being the first time you ever touched Premiere or what it was, I guess we're on Final Cut at the time. Final Who Cut knows? probably. But to be the first time you touched Final Cut and to have produced something like that, I think, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like anything crazy, but it was like a 15 or 20 minute, you know, little short film. And she didn't even learn uh, Final Cut until that month. So that was that's a really cool first project, you know? Yeah, I think she had maybe we were I think we produced and planned for the first week. We shot the second and third weeks and she kind of started actually editing it the the third and fourth week. So she yeah. basically had two weeks to, to learn the program enough to, to put together a project. Well, and, and, and that kind of goes back to it, right? What's so cool is that she basically spent a, you know, a whole month in Costa Rica as part of her travels and got this thing out of it. And yeah, maybe she just wanted to do it for fun. But if she wanted to get into, you know, post-production, that's not too bad of a first project to have under your belt. You know what I'm saying? Like you have you, you have a 20 minute docu short to show for it and it you know it, it it's solid i mean it's a really cool form of storytelling and you kind of went through this intensive course almost to learn uh how it works and how to operate in that system and i think it works from a a real world perspective like it's a similar workflow you need you needed to be able to be part of a team and and learn how to work with each other mm-hmm yeah, and I, you know, I'm curious to see what's going on with them to not to date this, but because of freaking COVID, like it, their whole business model. I'm going back to to uh, actuality media. Their whole business model is based around uh, travel, and, and and if you can't travel, what? How are you gonna? How are you gonna keep the program afloat? I wonder if they, you know, 
obviously took a break right during this whole quarantine period but i wonder if they've looked into like doing more digital stuff to try to help out or more you know distant stuff more remote stuff which i you know frankly i don't even understand how you could do that when your whole business model is based around travel i think there's always stories to tell but i don't i don't know how you do it while teaching people how to do it like even like this project i'm working on now it's one of the one of the projects is about a theater major who is going to be distance learning her her theater classes like how do you do that it's not the same as being there in person yeah i'm i i can say i'm very glad that right now is not the time that my career is starting out i'm very glad that i'm not trying to break into the industry during the covid crisis because i mean the way that i got into stuff literally i packed i graduated from school and i i didn't even graduate at the time i just packed my car up i still had some credits left to get i packed my car up and i drove to california and was like i'm just gonna start looking for stuff and that's how i ended up getting work you know i had a few internships that were you know some of them were unpaid which ethically well, I'm, I'm not here for that but you know i there was a few internships but uh if there was covid and i came out there and i was like trying to work it, there wouldn't be shit to do there's no way that i would be able to survive on the low budget gigs and stuff like that during that time of covid and you know when i moved it was like april or may well and i i think that you as say an 18 to 20 21 year old i don't even know if you'd qualify for any sort of government assistance like there's That's no un- unemployment really if if you haven't been working in the field if you haven't been employed if yeah exactly uh i I don't envy young people right now yeah it must it must be tough to to break in but i don't know i feel like the the advice i would give is just like oh man it's so difficult it sounds so hokey but it's just like keep making stuff and like keep doing what you can do i guess i don't know i mean i feel like even even I, during the quarantine, was just trying to make stuff. It was just for my friends. It was like, hey, here's some stupid videos I made for you guys to see. But, you know, it's it's just the idea of not falling out of practice with it and not, like, falling out of touch with it, you know? I mean, that's the, the creative attitude is if, if you want to be a writer, you need to write. If you want to make yeah. videos, you need to make videos. Find yeah. a way. It doesn't matter how. And especially now, I mean, you... If you really want to, you can shoot stuff on your phone and and make a decent looking project. You can tell stories from your own room. You, you can never leave your chair at your desk and you can find a way to tell a story if you truly want to be creative. Yeah. And frankly, I think if your whole goal is to tell stories like it doesn't matter like what it looks like, you know, you can. The picture can be trash, but if the story is real, it shines through. Like it doesn't really matter what the format is for the story you're telling. You know what I'm saying? So, and that that is to say, like modern day phones obviously film amazing stuff. But even if you, even if the stuff you're filming is not amazing, even if you, I don't know, or you like, even if your parents' car has a backup camera and that's your camera, like you could still film something pretty dope, probably. Like as long as your story's there. Just you know? be just be careful. Just watch out. Don't yeah. don't run over any cats. Yeah, for facts. And also, um, yeah, don't get pulled over and that kind of shit because the police are killing people out here. No. Um wait, so Chris, so back to this breaking in thing. How what you so I 
went to the University of Florida. I took like a more, I don't know, quote unquote, uh, traditional path, right? Like I was like, I'm gonna go to the school and then I'm gonna go out there and try to work. Um, you took a slightly less conventional path. How did you get into uh, the world of uh, editing and, and filmmaking? So I took, I, I did go to University of North Florida and they at the time had an electronic media program. But even before that, you you didn't you you started out like you were more into the writing side of shit. Oh yeah, I mean going going way back, we we basically started writing one act theater plays, uh, stage plays in in high school as 16, 17 year olds, we we would do the one act plays every year and it was the first time where I I wrote something and I got to see it come alive like it wasn't just yeah. a story that I was reading I wasn't just sitting there reading I was watching people say the things that I wrote yeah and that was an amazing feeling that like that literally changed my life it changed my entire path and made me believe that I am creative and that I can I, I can make things that are are worth watching and, and you know it's worth seeing yeah it's I feel like that that's a uh, that's a, that's kind of the whole idea behind filmmaking right it's it's so weird like i think that in itself is the nature of editing too i think so many writers and editors have like a kind of kinship where we're both chopping things up and telling stories and chopping up dialogue except we're we're basically using these pieces that have already been molded for us it's like hey this dialogue is set in stone now you got to chop it up and make it work and writers are like here's what i came up with well we can always change it you know what i'm saying that's i mean for me that's why i like editing because eventually writing became too difficult writing is extremely difficult but being given all the elements and maybe a little bit of direction i i can take those things and and turn it into a story that's one of my favorite parts of editing there's a lot of people who would say that writing is extremely easy because you have no boundaries and you can literally come up with anything you want but i can see how that would be daunting the more boundaries i have honestly the better because i not always but sure it allows it, it allows for less creativity but it does give me it hones my direction and in a way it frees me to just tell that specific story and, and find the best way to tell that specific story. Yeah. And in terms of, uh, telling the story, I mean, I, I wrote, I wrote with you, um, a lot on some of those early stage play things you were talking about. And, uh, when, when we were writing on those, that also is, was, that was my first foray into anything related to filmmaking period. And, I didn't even know that that was a thing that you could do. I remember um, there was a, 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 we actually had a film program at my school and I never even dipped my toe in at all. Um, but seeing things come alive on stage, that was really cool to me. And you know, from there, I actually diverged into music and it wasn't until college when I came to, uh, to film. And that was purely because an advisor, my first ever day of school was like, uh, he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to do radio. And he said, nah, there's no future in radio, which <laughs> <laughs> come on, Bob and Nikos, you, you fucked up, man. But he said, there's no future in radio. You should do video. And I said, all right, cool, whatever. I mean, you're the, you're the boss. So I'm gonna do like, you're the advisor. I'm gonna take your advice. Right. And, and you know, uh, and I'm just joking, Bob and Nikos shout out, because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't even have like a job. So, you know, I, I kind of had a similar experience where even, even 
creating those plays and seeing them come alive, I still didn't think about, oh yeah, I'll go into film. Like at the time I still wanted to be a comedy writer. Like the goal was to, to find myself writing for SNL or something like that. And you know, I went to an art school and we also had a film program and not once did I ever think to like transfer to that or even dip my toes in it. I had, I wouldn't say no interest, but it just, it never crossed my mind. And really, I, I think the reason I ultimately went to video is because of you and well, because of the Costa Rica thing because of actuality or what more or less I mean I, I kind of started to gravitate that way I was in school for electronic media when we went to Costa Rica but I, I didn't really have a, a vision for it it was just kind of okay I'm gonna go to school and figure it out from there and you went out to LA and started editing and you were like dude you should edit. And I was like, oh, all right, <laughs> all right, I'll try it out. My bad, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Uh, it's all, it's all good. Uh, and you know, and I, I, I've been back and forth. I've been in the, on the production side and, and, and the post-production side, but ultimately I just, I felt more comfortable sitting in my chair. Yeah. It's taking away. Well, I mean, it's it's a lot more comfortable for sure, right? Editing is a lot. I mean, whatever. There's people who would be like, ah, oh, man, it's so boring to be there in, in the room all day. Like, I'd rather be like on set and like, but I'm like, I don't know, bro. There's like the sun and like there's sand <laughs> and like it can be hot. It can be cold and like there's traffic. Like I've been sometimes on, it rains. Sometimes it rains. I know. Well, look, so, you know, from news, I've been on some shoots where like, you know, we're out for like a, a month and the worst thing the worst, the worst, worst thing worst. is when it's like you have a call time. You're or like, okay, early call time. That sucks, but whatever. You get through it. Then like you work all day. That sucks, but you get through it. The worst thing is sitting in traffic on the way back home. <laughs> you're like, yo, fuck this. Like if this was the edit suite, I would hit save. I would hit send my last email, whatever. Put the computer to sleep and I'm free and I'm home. Basically, I can walk. I can get home pretty quick. If you are on set, sometimes it's like, it's okay, cool. We're done for the day. Now it's going to take you two hours to get home. And you're like, what the fuck, man? Like, this is not worth, I don't know. Some but, people live for that shit. Not me. You know, yeah, I've done both and it, it can be fun, but it's also, man, it's exhausting doing stuff like that, going back and forth. And I think it's even had being in post has had a huge advantage over the COVID summer because we've still been able to work on stuff. Production halted for a while. And, you know, a lot of our production friends were completely out of work. You know, we, we were in and out there, but we still basically had stuff coming in, whether it's it's Zoom meetings or if it's people self-recording on iPhones. People, At least it was something. It was something. You know? What sucked is like we got right. We got those Zooms and those iPhones that technically is work other people we're losing exactly right? it's like people were like damn i have this fs7 i have this red i have these balling ass sharp ass lenses all these awesome lights can't use anything but i can't dust. go talk to people yeah that so yeah you're right i mean it, it, it in the covid scheme of things we got we got a little bit lucky right we got a little bit lucky with that but ultimately it it is kind of nice to you know it's kind of nice to get out every once in a while i don't know my 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 ethos is like take a fucking break you know like if you're editing like just get up and leave for a bit you know you'll get the same amount of shit done if you break every, like for 10 or 15 minutes every hour you're gonna get the same amount of shit done 
in seven hours as you will in nine hours. It's not really that big of a fucking deal, honestly. I'm a big fan of the 10 minute walk. Just just going out, take it, taking a few to yourself, maybe put on a podcast, maybe just listen to some music, get a little bit of sun, just get out of your little hidey hole, your edit hidey hole that, you know, a lot of editors, they want a dark room away from everything. Me, I like lots of bright natural lights. Yeah. I like, I want, to feel like I'm outside in a way without actually being outside because that shit sucks. Yo, I feel the same way. I want I want to have all the light and I want to get like my brain firing on like l- like natural light. But yeah, I I don't want to necessarily be out there that much. And, and also, I think like straight up by walking away when you come back, you you see new shit. You see it better. You know, you see it better. If it's like if you're even if you're producing and like your editor. Like, don't like make your editor take breaks sometimes because they're going to think better when they get back. They just will. Like, it's it's just facts. Like, I don't know. That's that's how it is to me. But I don't know. I uh, I want I do want to get back on the breaking end thing, though. So you ended up you ended up going into news. I ended up going into basically like digital branded content. Yeah. Um, wh- how. What, what what happened with the uh, with the news? How how was that? How did that all start? Was that from an internship? Because you said you started at an ad agency doing an internship. That seems pretty far removed from the news. Yeah. So I started at an ad agency that my and the fraternity, my big brother, he he graduated and got a job there. He, he basically got me in as as an unpaid intern, which for me at the time I needed the internship credits. And it just, it made sense to me. Why not? I got to work with some, not big brands, but local brands that I, I recognized. I, I got to, I got to go out on shoots. I was, uh, I wasn't just editing. I was shooting. I was editing. I was doing motion graphics. You know, the, it was a pretty, a pretty new ad agency that didn't totally know what they were doing. To be honest, when I came in as their video intern, I, I knew as m- much as their their like creative director about video because That's they, nuts. they weren't really a, a video place like the 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 main video guy was he was really a graphic design guy who was learning video at the same time i was so when so, i was shooting my stuff was better than his when i was editing my stuff was better than his because they were super new and and didn't really have a lot of direction let me let me ask a question so as the video intern right you are you find yourself like getting a lot of tasks like that and you see that you're at a level comparable or higher than you know your higher ups quote unquote higher ups well how does that make you feel are you like yo these are a bunch of clowns or are you like yo i might have a chance to move up in here or what's what's what is the thought process there because i've never had that I mean, it was kind of a little bit of both like i i didn't think they were clowns because you know they did have some like they had advertising background. They weren't stupid as far as that goes. They just weren't, they, they weren't up to speed with video and they, you know, they were learning mm-hmm. as they were going, but it definitely made me feel like, Hey, there's no reason that I can't become the video guy at this place. And I don't totally remember why it didn't work out that way. I think they just didn't really have the money to, yeah. to bring me on at what I wanted. It makes sense. And within, within, at the same time that that internship was ending was the same time where I was applying to other jobs. Cause I was like, well, if this isn't going to turn into anything, I got to have backups. And that's how I ended up with 
the news job. I also ended up with like a, a turning eight millimeter film into oh, the digital eight millimeter you know. film job where you're doing the eight millimeter porn. That, exactly. that's, that's canon, baby. Exactly. That's canon. That's we canon. know that's it's, canon. It's real. So look, if, if anyone has listened to all four episodes, it's real, no pun intended. If anyone has listened to all four episodes of this, basically Chris is someone who worked at the news, then also turned some eight millimeter porn. Look, the- <laughs> you're grossly misrepresenting my career. Dude, look, if they could see, if they could see how you are rocking two headbands at once, they would see I'm not misrepresenting you at all. So look, one is a bandana, the other is a gator, I think. Is that yeah. how you say it? What's a gator? Go so Gator. Thing, go Gator. Is that what? Yeah, I see. You're, ban- you're using a bandana. To, folks, he's using a bandana to cover his mouth and calling it Look, a gator. It's a neck gator, I think is what they call it. However, okay. a study just came out the other snood. day. I would call it a snood. But a snood? Yeah. Snood. Yeah, S-N-O-O-D, I think. Like that video game? Never heard of it. Oh, you don't well, remember Tell me snood? about the study. What's this study? So a study came out a couple days ago, not to date ourselves, but it suggests that these these neck fleeces, as they called them, are one of the least effective forms of of masks basically very good to know i know i know i i literally bought them last week so i need to find some new ones we here at shishkin productions with us that's where we're recording this we have uh like literally like a case of masks over there that you could Look. just take one. And we, we, we offered them there. These disposable masks are for everybody. We got hand sanitizer on deck. My man wants to wear a, a gator snood that has no preventative measures into the office. It's unbelievable. And I, I'm not here for that. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Moving on from breaking in. I want to talk about this. We have a thing written down. We have a, a handy little Google Doc where we keep our little topics. I want to talk about titles and growth in the industry. So, like, uh, a lot of people can get confused about that kind of stuff, and I don't, I don't know if there's any right answer to it because my uh, philosophy on it, sort of, when it comes to you know titles in any creative field, is that they're all made up and it's whatever the hell you want it to be. Like, you can literally make up any title you want as long as you really like lean into it and you get people to, you know, agree that that is your function, then that's your function. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it's, uh, it's just interesting. What, what, what do you, what do you think about like uh, titles and growth and progression? Maybe not even specifically in post, just all around. Well, for me, I think this is the first place where I've really gotten to, I wouldn't say I even dictate my title. Like I was just kind of given the title of senior editor. I'm like, Oh, I'm a senior. That's cool. But- <laughs> But before, like, I, you know, it was just whatever, whatever the job description was that I applied for, that was my title. You know, I was a news editor. I was a a news photographer. I was a post-production intern. I, you know, I was a documentary producer. Like it, it wasn't really, oh, I did call myself a film technician when I was trans. When you were, when you were swinging, slinging eight millimeter porn. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, I was a film technician. What I did was I just sat there blowing the film reel to make sure that it transferred properly. But that, I would, I was a technician. Well, I like the how they put technician on it. You know what I mean? They're like, I, I no. made that one up. That that's the one I made up. Yeah, you made yeah. that up. I made that that's up. That's not yeah, too yeah. bad. I don't, that's I don't, not too shabby. You should have you should have done something like head of film ingestion. Now that wouldn't work. That's not too. That's not good. Ingestion. You don't want to put ingestion in your title. That's weird, right? Yeah, Sounds yeah. too close to indigestion. Like, yeah. Like, I'm just thinking about it. I don't know if I want to hire this guy. Like, he might have IBS and oh, shit. Like, no. I don't <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fucked up. But. No, I mean, I think you I think you make them up, right? I think you make them up like I think, uh, you know, specifically my, my 
path has been like strictly, strictly in editing and not really doing anything else. And for the longest time, I thought that if you're an assistant editor, you eventually just progress to editor. And I remember um, it's a dude called, I think it was, I think his name is Michael Polier, but he told me at one of my first jobs, um, I think he was the one who said like, you know, if you're an assistant editor and you get really good at it, they're not gonna move you to editor. You're just gonna be the lead assistant editor because they don't wanna sacrifice like what you can do as an assistant. So my thought in terms of, of that progression is like, if you really wanna edit, like, yeah, take some assistant gigs, but try to get out of that shit as quick as you can, unless you just love organizing footage, then go for it, you know? Even when I have taken jobs here that are assistant editing jobs, I've still asked for an editor's rate because that's exactly you know that way one they respect you as an editor two they're they're more likely to give you the extra work because hey we're paying you like yeah I'm yeah the so i just you know recently put out like a little job posting and there was someone who i reached out to and um they like basically put their assistant editor rate pretty high well no it was the other way around sorry they put their editor rate decent and then i was like uh, what about assisting at assistant editing? And they were like, yeah, it's the same. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'll respect that. Like, yeah. okay, that, that's, that's very respectable. Like I, I just, I don't know. The business side of things is so weird and title progression is so weird. I, I really do think it's just cutthroat and it's, it's, it's whatever you want it to be. And it's, uh, I think the sooner that people understand that in their career, the better, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, just go for it. Just whatever you think you are, just say, that's what you are. You know, even right before I came to New York, I was in between my news job. I was working with a nonprofit and I called myself lead videographer and editor. And in retrospect, I should have just said head of production. Boom. Yeah. If you were the one doing everything, you definitely should have said everything. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. What because, was I thinking? Well, the thing is, we don't know that shit when we're younger. We don't know any better. Right. Like, you know, that's why so many kids will be out here putting, and if you're listening to this, don't do this, but so many kids will be out here putting, I'm serious, don't do it. Like they'll put in their reel that they're a cinematographer, editor, motion graphics artist, like uh, sound engineer, videographer, director, all this shit. And you're like, no, you're not, dog. You're not like no one. Cause you know why you're not? Cause literally nobody is that. Like just pick one, do it well. What's this? Dan Behar said that one time. He said, like, you know, uh, do something. And he said, do one job and do it right or something like that. I don't know. He's, oh, he's yeah, probably yeah, being, yeah. He's probably being sar sardonic and sarcastic and shit as typical Dan Behar. But well, he can do a lot of things. But I, I mean, for me, it's uh, can't sing. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shots fired. I'm just joking. Dan Behar, you're, you're a hero, bro. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I think you sound a lot like Dan Behar in your songs. Well, it's because I, you know, I, I try to uh, I don't try to, but uh, I think I accidentally get some shit from him. I don't know. I steal I steal his, uh, his lack of talent. Wow. Yes, I steal, his, <laughs> I, steal, I steal his lack of talent. No, I steal his aesthetic. One time I saw a show of his and he asked someone in the audience to bring him a Stella. I was like, that's cool. That's I awesome. Like, I, like that. I love Dan Behar. He was forgetting the lyrics to his song and people were singing them from the audience. He's like, oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's how it goes. I was like, oh, this guy, dude. Whatever. It's his song. His lyrics. I was talking to some dude at that show because we were up, upstairs and he said, uh, we we're upstairs from the thing. If you guys can hear that music, these are next door neighbors. This is more like a podcast to check how well these mics block out other sound, really. Yeah. But um, 
no, we were upstairs above the stage and uh, the dude had a Zoom recorder and I was started talking to him and he like, I kind of put it away and I was like, no, no, no. I, I, he's like, I don't, I was like, I don't care that you're like bootlegging quote unquote the show. Like I don't give a fuck, but send me a version of it. Cause I'd yeah. love to hear this concert. He never did, never followed up, but bootlegging and this was in Portland. This was like 20, uh, 2014 probably. I was like, bootlegging a show in, in 2014 like in modern age with a zoom recorder recording to an sd card is like so bizarre it's like Whatever. i mean no, I, it's cool i'm not i'm not knocking it i don't even like i used to i used to ring those little zoom recorders i mean i used to shoot my buddy playing songs at, at crappy venues and i would have my little dslr connor my, yeah connor oh, okay okay my buddy as if i don't know connor oh look you guys look up Fjord, Fjord Explorer. Look up Connor Hickey. He used to play in a thing called Fjord Explorer, but he 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 makes he makes some good music. If you like country stuff, you might like it. I don't know. I liked straight it's like up folk. Connor's never gonna listen to this, but I like the old stuff with the cello a lot more, like when there was full instrumentation and like electric guitars and shit. But hey, people grow, they change. That's what makes them cool, right? I'll be totally honest. I haven't listened to his music since then. I didn't know that he moved away from that. Oh, he did. You should listen to it. Yeah, there's you know he there's. There's messages. It's sentimental. It's it's typical, Connor. It's cool. I'm not saying don't record the music, though. My 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 thing is, it's just bizarre because when you think of people bootleg, not, is it bootlegging? Is that what it's I called? I mean, I don't even think that, that. I don't think that's a problem. I guess you could call that bootlegging. I don't, I don't but. think it's a problem. I'm just saying when someone does it, like you picture and like a deadhead or something or someone with like uh, like <laughs> tapes like that's what I picture. So it's weird to me. It's like this gentleman has an SD card. Like no one gives a fuck. That he's recording it because they can find literally any music they want anywhere at any time in the you know pocket in their pocket. It's 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 all in their phones. Like yeah, and even music is worthless these days. Wow, I'm saying that's, it. That's I, a, music has zero value. I guess economically, yeah, it does not. It it's not worth anything, right? It's it it literally is worth nothing. That's why there's no money to be made as a musician. I'm frankly, let's get fucking real right at the end here. I think that video is headed that way too. Sorry if that's a cynical take, but I think that eventually, like, there's not going to be much value in video because remember, like, ten years ago, and everyone's like, oh, video's next. Video's the big thing. It's like, yeah, sure. And now I guess it is like everyone's like, everyone needs to have video. Every company needs videos. But now it's like no one even wants to watch any videos. Like no one will watch anything unless because they want to seek out exactly what they want. You know what I'm saying? No one's going to seek out branded content. I mean, I'll be honest when I'm looking up something on the Internet and it gives me a video with the information, I get pissed off. I'm like, no, I don't want to watch a fucking video. I want to just read my information. I want to get my news immediately. I can see the article. I can pick out my information immediately and be done with it. I don't want to listen to your preamble. I don't care what you think. I wonder if that is a uh, byproduct of being someone who has to look at videos all day, because like th that's the same thing with me. Like when I get home, from from a day of like editing and looking at stuff the last thing i want to do when i get home is watch anything i'm like i'm not watching shit i'll play like a video game or something or listen to a podcast but i i'm not gonna sit down and watch a movie or watch tv it's just not it's like the last thing that i want to do and i know i can get insights from it and like study it as i watch it but that's kind of the, the reason i don't want to watch it is because i'm just gonna fucking study it as i watch it you know 
That's why you shouldn't watch videos. You should listen to our podcast. Listen to the podcast, dude. That's a great little segue. And I think, yeah, let's end it there. Listen to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on uh, Instagram. I believe it's Sizzle Real Gang. I think is what we made it. We haven't uh, plugged it since the last one. And then I think I tried to go back into the first few and edit it at the end. But I don't I don't really know, man. We, we got to get our numbers up right now. We're at a, at a big zero. We don't follow anybody. No one follows us. We're, you know, we're we're, we're just stardust. <laughs> we barely even exist. And that's the beauty of it. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. If you have any, you know, anything you want us to talk about or any crazy questions, or if you want a job at Shishkin Productions, go ahead and just tweet at that Sizzle Real Gang. Shishkin <laughs> 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 <laughs>